Welcome to TAG Talks, the source for information, news, and best practices for career and workforce professionals. Taking the mystery out of career development for you and your customers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of TAD Talks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of TAD Talks. This is Tressa Dorsey, president of TAD Grants here in Sacramento, California, where it is a beautiful, crisp fall day. And as always with me is Aaron Lesson. Aaron, I need to know, how cold is it in Michigan right now? Oh, here, let me look at my phone real quick. (laughs) It says it is a whole 45 degrees for the high today coming out of 32, but I haven't seen any of the snow yet. So, I mean, down here in Southern Michigan, they got a bit of snow already. You just had a crisp fall day with Sacramento? Yeah. What? It's crisp. Like, like I have to wear a hoodie right now. Because it's like 80? Actually, I think it's going to be like 78 today. And so it's very chilly. It's very <laughs> We chilly would be in shorts and a tank top, but that's well, just, well, our blood's a little cold here. So, but yeah, everything's great here in Michigan. You know, I'm really excited about today's podcast. We have a great, awesome guest. Why don't you tell us who that is, Tressa? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, somebody who's going to really probably beat us in the weather category all the way around today, we are super excited to have with us Jaime Cruz, who is the Executive Director of Workforce Connections, Southern Nevada. Jaime, Las Vegas, tell me, how warm is it there? Because it's always nice every time I go there. Yeah, good morning, uh, Tristan and Aaron. Uh, Thanks for having me. Today in Vegas, it's expected to be in the 50s, sunny (gasps) in the 50s, and you know, here... We really only have two seasons, summer and winter. We skip right (laughs) past spring and right past fall. So last week, I think it was in the uh, high 90s, I think triple digits just 10 days ago. And now we're uh, all the way down in the 50s. Are you You're being serious? It's going to be in the 50s? Yeah. Yeah. If you check your your phone, it's 50, I think, two right now. Oh, my my gosh. gosh. Yeah. Whoa. I feel so much better. I know. I First of all, I didn't even know that it got that cold there because every time I'm there, it's so hot. That's a huge, that's like a 50 degree swing. And like, I mean, how do you even dress for that? I I couldn't, I'm like, what do you wear? I guess layers, right? Are you in layer town right now? Yeah, that's not the norm. I mean, this is one of those big swings, like you said, because of pressure fronts that are happening right now. Usually October and November and December are beautiful months in Las Vegas. Like you said, the visitors come here from the cold areas like where Aaron lives and (laughs) and they walk in shorts here because, you know, they're coming from snow and it's just here nice and bright and sunny and usually in the 60s during those months. Well, and also, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, most of us are probably in a nice casino somewhere anyway. So, you know, shorts, jeans, it doesn't really matter. It's all climate controlled. You know, they they always want to make sure we're comfortable up there, right? Although there is a lot more to Las Vegas than just the casinos, as we know. And and actually, that's going to lead us kind of into what we're going to be talking about today. A lot around business services is really where we're headed with this. But before we do that, Jaime, you know, one of the things that we're always curious about with all of our guests is how did you get into workforce? Uh, You know, what drew you to it? What was kind of your path on getting here? And so if you could give us kind of a little bit of background, because everybody's always got a fun story of, you know, how we, how we winded up here. Winded? Wound? I don't know. I need, (laughs) I'll have to, I don't know. You can tell I'm a green writer. I'm like, winded up? Oh, wow. (laughs) Don't worry about it. The worst part is I'm not even going to edit that out either. That's awesome. You better not. I didn't even have a joke, but there it was. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. How did you wind it up here, Jaime? (laughs) (laughs) 
I like it. You know, my story is not unlike many of my 550 peers, right? There's 550 local workforce development board executive directors across the country. I meet them often, well, used to before the pandemic, meet them at, at national conferences or convenings, uh, you know, regional convenings. And, and I haven't met one yet who says, when I was a teenager in school, my career path said, I want to be the leader of a, a local workforce development board. I just right. want to learn all about Teagles and tags <laughs> and you know, oh, yeah. OJTs. Uh -huh. yeah, Preach that's it. my yep. passion. I'm just so passionate about that. <laughs> I, I want my career counselor to tell me how I get there. No, not one. So <laughs> I went to college to be a mechanical engineer. I sailed in the Merchant Marines in Peru for seven years. And when I came here to America, I spent 20 years working on the hospitality field, but it wasn't easy. I got here thinking, oh, I can get a job. No problem. I have a college education and experience. It was not that easy. I, who would know that, you know, now... 32 years later, I would understand the problem. But back then they told me, you know, everybody would tell me, we love your resume, but come back when you have some experience. And so I finally said, how am I going to get that experience if nobody will give me the chance? And so that's one right. of the problems we, we try to solve every day in our one-stop centers. But uh, bottom line is I had to take a job as a dishwasher, even though I was college educated. I started as a dishwasher, I moved to be a food server, and then eventually got my break and, and got back into engineering and again, uh, spent 20 years on the strip. Eventually, my last job there, I was the corporate director of energy for the MGM, who was building the uh, city center complex, which has, you know, the Aria, the Vidara, the Mandarin, all those buildings was the largest green complex in the world at that time. That was my last assignment before I uh, took this job at, at, in the workforce development system, first as a program manager, if you will, program director, I'm sorry, under the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, there was multiple mm. green energy initiatives that came and executive director of this board back then, 12 years ago, recruited me, convinced me to come in. Here I am now, uh, 12 years later, in his position here in Las Vegas. That is awesome first of all and yeah. just and just i would have never guessed any of that you know it's so funny we, we were just talking with uh, larry robin uh, the other day and it's so funny how people get here it's it's never the same path but it's always a winding one you know i mean that's the thing is like i mean who who knew i mean you're you're this big top dog mgm doing i mean mechanical engineer to workforce board director you know i'm more interested in the merchant marine in peru i want I know, to know right those stories <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I know i'm like hmm we might have to next time we're out there we might have to uh, have some dinner and, and hear about some of those stories as well but so that's amazing and and thank you for sharing that and and you know one of the things Aaron and i i think respect about folks that are in your position is your ability to kind of see the bigger picture, you know, kind of doing green jobs. And then that transformed into a workforce development job. And I think that there's a lot of people because of their experience that have come into their positions that have a lot of knowledge of private sector and, and different industries and different opportunities that really lend to having a big vision, right? A bigger vision of what workforce can be and how it can impact business. From that perspective, my question to you would be right now, given everything that's going on, given the mass amount of unemployment, especially I'm sure in, in your area being so hospitality driven, what do you think right now from that big, big, broad stroke, big vision guy, what's the biggest challenges that, that workforce centers are, are going to see right now? And maybe some of those challenges that maybe we aren't quite looking at, but, but are going to be there in the months to come. What do you think that is for folks? 
It's the supply-demand equation, right? It happened uh, 10 years ago during the last economic you know, slowdown that we had or the, the Great Recession, whatever mm-hmm. people call it. Uh, we here in Las Vegas are in the front car of the roller coaster. You know, when it's going up, we're, we're up in front. The economy's great and we're booming. And then when it, uh, the top of the mountain, when we're coming down, we're always leading that downturn as well with unemployment and the mortgages upside down. It's, not, it's the same now. We, um, I don't know if any other state hit above 30%. That's three zero, not one three, three zero. Over 30% unemployment we hit in the worst of the pandemic. That's a huge, huge number. And so I think we're down in the teens again. It's flipped from a place where we had more jobs than, than, than workers. And we were really focusing just a few months ago on, on that alternative labor pool, if you will, really tapping down into the people with high barriers to, em- to employment. And uh, whether it be people with disabilities, people coming out of reentry, the justice system, disadvantaged, uh, disengaged youth, returning vets, we were really mining those areas because we had a huge problem with employers stealing employees from each other, you know, offering them a dollar more for them to turn companies and employers were seeing years of training and investment leave because another company was giving them a dollar, two dollars more. So that was the problem just six months ago. The equation has completely flipped. Now we have a tremendous supply of workers, highly qualified, highly experienced, and, uh, and we have not that not that many jobs to fill. So that's the big challenge for us today. Yeah, I think the key is, like you mentioned, you're in the front car. It's always magnified, right, where you're at. We have so many companies here in West Michigan that they need employees. And there's just a, a number of factors as to why they can't find them. In talking to a lot of people, I often hear, well, the unemployment was so high, no one wanted to go back to work. And it might be that way for some still, even though it's less, but it's still a bigger chunk of unemployment. But the fact is, we have schools, right, that aren't even in session. They're just doing it online. So I say, well, if you're a single parent and you have children who have to attend school virtually, let's say you had two or three kids, you have to have two or three stations. Who's watching them? Daycares are barely open here and they're not going to take the older kids watching, you know, just there's these numerous problems over and over. And so I know we have a lot of work to do and it's a very fluid situation. You know, listening some political stuff recently, and trust me, I'm not, this is not political at all because I'm like most people, I'm tired of it all. And it's, you know, left, right, left, right, you're this way. But what I heard is no one still really understands how long this is going to go or how long we're going to be in this state. It was a bit depressing when I heard the statement. We're in for a, what was it, a long, dark winter or something like that. I was like, ooh, yikes. That, I, it's, like, it's like Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. It's just, yeah, you like, know what I mean? We're, we're in I've, it now. I've never thought of that before, but I'm like... Yeah. Well, it's not a lot different for most of us. We've been home now for what, I mean, we talked about for eight months now, essentially. But that business idea of where we get in employees and and how we're going to make this continue to move forward and protect people is definitely magnified where you're at. I mean, I don't think anybody touched your unemployment and probably still you might be leading the nation from just based on what type of employment is there. Recently, I've seen some stuff out of your area in particular about something called BizHub. Is that correct? Is that what it's called? Business Hub, yes. Yeah, Business Hub. And of course, in my notes, I have BizHub. What is the purpose of it? And tell me, what kind of response are you getting from employers? You know, give us an idea of what you're attempting to do with your Business Hub. I mentioned the Great Recession as a 
as a comparison, but this is uh, so so much the same in some ways, but also so different in other ways. Like you said, the, the health uh, component of this challenge is unparalleled, right? People right. don't want to leave their home. The online schooling, not com also new, not like last time. So while last time was a huge challenge to get the economy going again, this time I think is even a greater challenge for all those things you said, all those differences. So we know that the problem is still there in our job as the public workforce development system is again to make sure that we can prepare workers to meet the demand of, of employers, connecting really employers to a ready workforce, right? And so we here in Southern Nevada know that that supply demand equation is flipped. And so we, our approach was, let's talk to the business customer. They're the ones that are gonna be hiring people when, when they're ready, because again, everybody was shut down, but now that, that it's, it's moving again, they're the ones that are gonna hire people. And knowing that many jobs won't come back. Uh, again, another thing we were doing six months ago or so was talking about the future of work, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, what's the future of work gonna be like when automation is more prevalent, when artificial intelligence comes in, when some of these entry-level jobs are replaced by more efficient methods, well, guess what? The future is here. The future is here. Right now on the Strip, we see hotels opening up with kiosks instead of front desk attendants. There is robots delivering things to the rooms. You know, the future of work is now. And so we decided we're going to really connect in a meaningful way with the demand side of the equation. In other words, the businesses, the employers, those are going to hire. And we're going to try to understand what it's like now and moving forward. What, what are they going to hire like? It's not like six months ago or a year ago. So we needed to really understand how are they going to hire? Who are they going to hire? When are they going to hire? All these things. And so for that purpose, we said, you know, we've never had one here. We've seen them across the nation. One stops for businesses, right? We see one stops for job seekers in every local workforce development area. You're actually right. obligated to have at least one comprehensive center in every, in every area. Mm -hmm. But in some places, we've seen those centers divided with a wall and uh, two entrances, and you know they make them look a little different, hopefully, because your business client is a little different than your job seeker client, different needs. Right. And so we've seen that, but we've never seen a one-stop center that's specifically designed and staffed to serve businesses. So, so we said, uh, let's open one uh, here in Southern Nevada. And we built that on the partnership that we had with our local libraries. We already had 10 one-stop centers for job seekers and local libraries across our area. Again, the beauty of that is that the public workforce development system doesn't have to pick up the infrastructure costs. So you avoid rent, utility, security, janitorial, all the cost that comes with opening a one-stop, you just have to staff it. It really stretches our dollars. It allows us to serve more job seekers when we, we locate one-stop centers in the library. So we built on that. There's this beautiful library that really lends itself to be a business-focused center. And it used to be a museum, if you will. So imagine high ceilings, beautiful architecture. So we went in there, they dedicated that space for us, almost 3,000 square feet. And we just outfitted it to be our first, we call it employee MV business hub. And so nice. that opened uh, just last week, as a matter of fact. But before that, a month ago, we opened our first one. Because in the middle of planning all this, again, our partner at the Vegas Chamber, the Vegas Chamber is the largest Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce here in our area. They have over 4,000 members. And the CEO and president is on our board, representing the voice of the business community. And when she heard of this idea and visited the site, she said to, to us, why can't we have one of these in our, in our chamber? Oh. Imagine that, right? You're an yeah. executive director of a local workforce development board, and you have a chamber of commerce saying, 
why can't you locate your one stop for businesses inside the place where businesses already go and pay right. actually membership to receive services? We, of course, said yes. Uh, about 30 days ago, we opened up the first of its kind, We Believe in the Nation, where a Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce hosts the Public Workforce Development System. Again, it's called the Employee MV Business Hub, located at the Vegas Chamber. And we already have businesses, members coming in, uh, accessing the resources, hiring people through on-the-job training, giving work experience to, to youth and so forth. So that was the concept, and that's why we, we created these business hubs to really connect the public workforce development system directly to the business customer. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Hands down what we would encourage. I mean, if you're listening to this at all, and even if you're not in charge of business services, the concept itself is just brilliant. I mean, imagine you're a business out there. You don't even know what a one-stop is and why would you ever go there as a business or a, a HR manager, but you know what the chamber is. I mean, mm-hmm. that partnership alone, like just, just to say, hey, if the chamber I belong to is willing to house within it this workforce development thing, then I really don't even know what it is because, you know, we're kind of a mystery oftentimes. What an advantage to start things off. That's pretty awesome. It really is. Congratulations. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I completely agree. And, and I, you know, I agree with you also, Jaime. I noticed, you know, we, we have some clients that we've worked with where they definitely have that separation, right? So they have a business. Some of them just have their own building for business services. But I think really the, the strategy here, and I think the, the wisdom nugget really around this design is the co-location and being able to leverage the resources and the partnerships that you have in your community with the chamber, which is amazing. And then also the the public library system as well, which, you know, again, you may not know what workforce development is, but everybody knows what a library is. You know, I mean, everybody knows and they know where it is also, which I think is another, you know, they know it's accessible to the public. Anybody can use it, which is very similar to workforce development, right? Any Accessible to the public, anybody can use it. Yeah, I, I really love it. And I think we would probably need to back up a hair on, on this conversation only because I understand, and, and this is partly because of our work together prior to this podcast, coming out there and doing some training for your folks, I would imagine this idea, this concept of, you know, the business hub really probably started when you guys started creating the blueprint, the you right, the blueprint 2.0, the business services blueprint 2.0 for, I'm sorry, workforce blueprint 2.0, which is really, I think, kind of the, the foundation for these types of innovative uh, opportunities to be implemented. And so tell us a little bit about what 2, I'm just going to call it 2.0. Uh, tell us a little bit about where that came from how you see it impacting your area. And and for those folks that are listening, if somebody were interested in maybe implementing something like this, what are, you know, maybe one or two things that they would need to start thinking about now so they could make that happen for themselves? You know, if a workforce board wants to be business driven, one of the, I think, first partnerships that has to be solidified, of course, is not just the, the local chambers of commerce of that area, but also the regional economic development agency. Because again, economic development in the past used to be really founded on financial incentives, you know, for businesses. And those have gone away and they're going to be gone for a long time now because of this recession. So you have to have more sustainable, meaningful reasons for a business to move. And one of them, always on the top of the list is workforce. Can I find the workforce I need in that area if I'm going to move there? So a few months ago, as you said, I think over a year ago now, we partnered with our regional economic development agency. It's called the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance. And again, the biggest chamber of commerce here in our region, the Vegas Chamber, 
and uh, we commissioned Workforce Blueprint 2.0, which is an upgrade to the plan that was almost two, three years ago before that. And because, again, things change rapidly, we learned six months ago, we published Workforce Blueprint 2.0. And again, that document, what it did was really start on the demand side. And what do we need now and what will we need in the next few years when it comes to workforce? And then we looked on the supply side and said, what are we producing? And so once we identified that gap, the plan was, again, to mitigate that gap, to really make the changes and the educational system. We call it the educational system, K through 12, but really it's the earliest part of workforce development, right? We're developing the workforce of tomorrow down there. And so K through 12, post-secondary, all those things aligning to the demand. That's what Workforce Blueprint 2.0 is, is a roadmap, if you will, to solve that supply-demand equation. That's awesome. And, you know, for Aaron and I, we actually have uh, our business services certification course uh, starting this week, doing it online now, obviously. And it's exactly what we based our process off of, which is the demand-driven system is truly that, where you have to get everything aligning with businesses and make it attractive to businesses and make sure businesses have the resources, human resources, right? You know, that, like you said, the workforce needed to make those types of moves or create opportunities within that community. Just one follow-up question to this. When you look at Blueprint 2.0, which by the way, if anybody listening would like to actually review that, you can go to workforceblueprint.org and check that out, which I think is a good resource. But let's say I'm a workforce board director and I'm thinking this sounds really awesome. What is the first thing I need to do tomorrow when I go into my office to start getting this ball rolling? I think, do I have a partnership with uh, at least the largest chamber of commerce in my area, if not more? And do I have a partnership with my regional economic development agency? And if I don't, I need to sit down with those parties and talk about, can we partner together to try to solve this supply demand equation in our area together? Excellent. Yeah, it really does boil down to partnerships, doesn't it? I mean, you know, and I like the term supply demand equation because you have to figure out what that is before you can, you know, I, you know, analyzing, like you said, to, to create this, this roadmap, you had to look at the gaps, right? You had to figure out what that equation was and then figure out how to fill that space. So really good stuff. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, no, for sure it is. You know, I can tell you with, we, we do work all over and we're not here to just, you know, say, oh, the next person on our podcast you're the best ever. But I can tell you this firsthand, and I know Tressa would agree that the ideas that you've implemented when it comes to business services and the ideas of making the, the business a priority, whether it be in your library, whether it be at the chambers, those are best practices for sure. And there are a lot of places that are still, just be frank, that are still stuck in job development. Like they just go out to develop a job, get a person placed and they're done. They're not focused on relationship. They're not focused on return business. And they certainly haven't made it easy, so to speak, where someone can access workforce development from the business side where it's dedicated to that business. And so I really would like you, and, and you probably do know this, but I'm going to tell you from our work across the nation it is definitely near the top and it is a, a model practice. And I, I hope others can even remotely listen to this and think to themselves, can we do something similar? Honestly, you've figured it out when you can meet the needs of the businesses in the true demand-driven system, which is regulated and exposed in legislation under, under WIOA. And honestly, thankfully, I don't know all the teagles and all the waggles and all that because I don't have to read them. I never did. <laughs> and I don't really like them. But when you are committed to serving businesses as you're doing right now with even your latest 
latest initiatives, it will pay off for a long time because we can help people all day long overcome barriers. But unless you have the job at the end, which is dictated by serving the employer, then you, you don't have anything if you don't have that. And congratulations. And I mean that. We, I don't think in our couple of years of podcasting, I've been able to say that many times. Like, I think you've got it going. And I, I mean it, really. Congratulations. Thank you. I uh, I appreciate you guys. I know you guys are subject matter experts. You travel the country. Let me show you a piece of uh, my weekend. I guess this weekend I was car shopping. Now I'll, I'll try to not say the brand because I know we don't want to say brand. So I was car shopping. In a, <laughs> you can tell me after. I want to know. <laughs> in a dealership. And I thought about this. I said, you know, I'm here in this beautiful dealership looking at this beautiful product that looks good, shiny, smells good. They got coffee for me, if water if I'm thirsty, donuts. This is the way to treat the customer. I don't go to their plant to see their unfinished product, right? I don't see their product while it's being welded on. And so it reminded me again of why we're doing the Employee Envy Business Hub because we want them to be the showroom of our system, right? We are going to have career fairs there, but we're going to bring the finished cars. We're going to be the ones that are looking good, smelling good, ready to drive off the lot, right? So again, I think uh, that is, again, another important part of the supply-demand equation is that you don't want to show your customer an unfinished product. You want them to see that product that's ready to roll off the showroom floor. What a great analogy. And also, just because I'm curious, so did you buy a car? <laughs> you know, I, I learned a strategy a long time ago, um, oh. and this is the best time to, to do it because they need to move cars. Yeah. I never enter into that game. You know that game where they sit you down? Oh, I do. I hate the game. That is the game. I I stopped doing it a long time ago. In fact, I found that, yeah, I found that it it makes car buying really an awful experience because, you know, you're happy because you want the shiny car, but then you have to deal with this. It's like, let's just be straight with each other. We don't quit quit writing down all the numbers and and circling things and show, you know, don't do the, it's like, it's a show. It feels like a magic game almost, you know? It's like the three-car Monty. Yeah, right. Totally. So what did you do? I need to know. Yeah, no, it's that. So I I walked out and and gave him my number and said, basically my conditions, right? I said, hey, I want the 0% financing. I want this and this and that. And so, and of course they said, oh, that's going to be very hard. But guess who called me this morning on my way to work? No, good Was it for that you. hard? No, and yeah. you know what? Good for you too, because you know that's a whole nother podcast. Because I'm going to tell you right there, there is an art to negotiation, and I found that very similar to that. What I do now is I say, "This is exact." I know I'm very clear what I want when I go in. First of all, that it is always helpful. And yep. when we when they start playing the game with me, I just say, "You know what? I haven't eaten, and I don't make decisions with <laughs> stomach, so I'm going to go now." And it, and all of a sudden, all that other stuff just falls away. You know. So it's yep. like now we can just be straight with each other and you know move forward. So good for you. I appreciate that. And, and so I'm going to get to one last thing here because we're kind of on a roll. So you're you're obviously masterful negotiator. You're great with relationships. You have this innovative mind, and I know that you have a wonderful team around you as well. But you also use your resources very well. And Clark County, it sounds like, is the largest county in the nation to be certified by ACT as a work ready community. So what does that mean and why is that such a, you know, such a successful kind of, I guess, uh, designation? Right? I mean, because not, not everybody's familiar with what, what that means. So explain that and then tell me why it's so important for Clark County. 
Sure. I think everybody's familiar with ACT because, um, I, well, I didn't because I didn't, as you know, grow up here or go to college here, but my mm-hmm. kids did. I remember when they were uh, juniors in, in high school, they said, Dad, we need to take the ACT yep. college readiness exam, you know, and depending on that score, colleges would know how ready or not ready they are for the rigors of that college academic life. And so ACT also has another assessment called Work Keys. And Work Keys measures not college readiness, but workplace readiness. It measures foundational workplace skills like, can you take written, numerical, or graphical information, and can you translate that to your everyday job, to the task that you're asked to do? So that system right there you know, employers always say, I don't need you to bring me somebody how to weld. I can teach them how to weld. I just need common sense. I need critical thinking. I need problem solving. So that's what this measures, right? Those foundational workplace skills that can you follow instructions? Can you complete this task if you're given, again, all the information, whether in numerical form, written form, or graphical form? So Work Keys has become if you will, the assessment that we use to really start to measure a candidate's workplace readiness for different jobs. When you take the work keys and you you can earn the National Career Readiness Certificate or NCRC at multiple levels, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. And, and depending again on what job you want, you, di- you need different levels. And so that system, if you will, is what we use to help solve that supply demand equation on a one-on-one job. Every case is different. And so when you're using that system, Again, it's important to have everybody connected. We talked about the earliest part of the pipeline. So K through 12, again, in the past, our focus here in Southern Nevada was everybody goes to college. We know that's not the reality. The actual numbers showed us that only 30% went to onto a four-year program. And, and out of those, guess how many completed, even a smaller number. So, so we really started to focus, uh, again, Southern Nevada, that earliest piece of the workforce development pipeline, they got to leave high school with something that prepares them for the workplace, not just college, the workplace. So again, we're fortunate that we have the superintendent of the Clark County School District on our board. And so he is really big on making sure that the high school graduates leave with something that prepares them for the workplace as soon as they graduate. Now, they can still go on and build on that in college or any kind of post-secondary activity like the military and so forth apprenticeships, but it's important. So that's one piece of the equation, the, the K-12 pipeline, the public workforce development system. The community college is also a partner in this movement. And so are the public libraries. And so all of us together, if you will, came together as an ecosystem to use that tool and that methodology, again, to attack that supply-demand equation. And so uh, when a county does that, when it it brings the parties together, you can apply for a certification, if you will, with ACT to become a work-ready community. And so we are the largest county in the nation to be certified to be doing that, to be actually using this tool successfully to match employers with the workforce that they need. Fantastic. That's yeah, awesome. No, I'm familiar with it. Back um, probably a decade ago, I, I I was working with people getting taking the, the work keys assessment. And I, I took it just as a, a youth program manager because I wanted to know what it was like. And so I'm, I'm quite familiar with it. So that's pretty fantastic. I mean, were your results like not work ready, even though you had managed to have a job? Is that? Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm I'm gold. I got the gold certificate, but I was so close to 
platinum. And man, I wanted to retake it, but I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> see, I, I mean, I have this like competitive side of me. It's like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to take this to learn it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to study because I needed to get the platinum. Oh I'm not even that smart, but I wanted that platinum. But so I'm gold. If when I moved to Nevada, I'm definitely going to bring my cert. Quit it. All right. I still have it. That's one of those, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to see evidence and proof kind of like, you know, oh, like, like here your we masters. Go again. <laughs> so, here we well, go. here's, here's a gentleman. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation and Jaime, because I know that you have bigger fish to fry than being on our podcast for much longer. Um, I just want to thank you for taking the time, but, but I do have one really, really pressing question. It, it is important because uh, I, I just need to know. Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, for or against? Oh, you mean, uh, am I you, a fan? Yeah, are you a fan? Oh, yeah, yeah, we all, you know, how can you not? You're a community that never had a an NFL franchise, well, any uh, professional franchise at all until right. just three years ago when the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, you know, started, and every year they've gone, you know, all the way, uh, you know, right. to the end of the of the of the tournament always chasing the Stanley cup. So yeah, I think it's a dream come true for, for the community to have a franchise to root for. Now, obviously for me, it's easy because as you heard, I come from Peru where football actually means you Soccer. play it with your foot. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. But, so, so I don't have a, a football team. I came here and, and unlike many other pop uh, of the population of Las Vegas that came here from Pittsburgh or came here from New England or came here from Dallas or from the Bay Area, you know, they brought their teams with them. Right. So for, right. for them, it's harder. But I think, again, the kids that were born here in Las Vegas, people like me who immigrated and don't really have a tie to a football team, they are, they are yes, uh, automatically Raiders fan. Everybody's got their gear. Raider it's Nation. Fun. That's Raider right. Up. Raider Nation. That's a, So I will tell you, I am a lifelong Raiders fan. I was born this way. That's what I tell people. Because trust me, nobody really, <laughs> nobody really chooses to be a Raiders fan. It's kind of like you're just born into it, right? So I'm not going to lie. It is hard that they are no longer the Oakland Raiders. But, you know, they've also been the LA Raiders at one point, too. And I have to say they're looking pretty good this year. So, I yeah, I like it. Oh, he's pin. got a pin. I love it. You can't you, see a podcasters, but he's got a Raiders pin holding. Yeah, it that's right. So yeah, I mean, you got a <laughs> Raider Nation, right? So I'm excited about that. And I do think it's great because, you know, at the end of the day, it creates jobs. And I think that it's in, you know, it is, it sounds like, you know, it's always good for the community to have somebody to root for and, and have, you know, it's kind of like, you know, everybody can kind of get behind their hometown team. So I think that's super exciting. With that being said, Jaime, I know that a lot of people might actually want to reach out to you after this, and we're going to put this on LinkedIn and all that. If somebody wants to reach out and and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I think members of our team that could help them. If if it's not me personally, they can connect with here somebody at our board. But if I have the time, of course, I'd love to talk to them as well. So uh, I would say just get on our on our website, and we have a um, addresses and numbers there to contact us. If you go to our website, nvworkforceconnections.org, you will find uh, how to contact us here at Workforce Connections. Excellent. Well, then I say uh, to you, I mean, go Raiders. You know, they didn't, they kind of blew it with the Bucks yesterday, but I'm going to act like that didn't happen because we still beat the Chiefs. So I'm okay with that. Outside (laughs) of that, 
Hi, May. Thank you again for taking uh, this time out of your day, especially on a Monday. I'm sure you've got a, a work week ahead of you that I probably do not envy much, but thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to talk with Aaron and I. We wish you continued success and hopefully we will be able to touch base again later on and, and get an update on the business hubs and how 2.0 is rolling out. And who knows, now due to the pandemic, you might have a 3.0 by the next time we talk. We, we won't know, right? That being said, Aaron, you want to take home. Hi, May. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. We're here to support you as always. And we'll post the contact information for what he just shared on the podcast site. Thank you again. Enjoy the new car. I'm glad you got that 0% interest. But we appreciate you. And uh, thank you for doing the work you're doing and for your team. Yeah, uh, thank you both. It's been very enjoyable to talk to you. And hopefully uh, someday soon we can have you here in Vegas again, helping us, uh, you know, with our business initiatives. All right. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And from Tad Grants to all you listeners out there, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon.